Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Black Power 96.3 WBPULP St. Petersburg, Florida, and now available as a podcast as well. You can follow us on Podbean by going to uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. That's uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. My name is Jamie Simpson. I'm Penny Huss. I'm Jesse Neville. And this is the Reparations in Action Roundtable discussion of some of the most pressing issues of these times of a colonial system that finds itself in an ever deeper and more profound crisis. We are white people in solidarity with reparations, and we work under the leadership of the African Liberation Movement. We are accountable to Black Power 96, and we come on this radio show to bring this message to white people. There is a role for you if you unite with reparations in forwarding African liberation. We're broadcasting today on the uh, 28th of July uh, 2020, as we see the crisis of imperialism during this colonial crisis period of COVID-19 reach uh, a period of depth that we have not seen previously. So we're gonna start off with Penny Hess to sum up the question of the economic crisis of colonialism and COVID-19. Thank you, Jamie. And I just really wanna welcome to everybody who's listening today. And as always, salute Chairman Omale Shetela, who's my leadership as the leadership of the African People's Solidarity Committee, white people under the leadership of the African Revolution. And I want to salute this incredible radio station and begin by saying, as Chairman Omali Ishitela has been summing up constantly, every time he goes live and in all his studies and uh, presentations, he's talking about how the crisis of imperialism is deepening every day in this period we can we are watching a very historical period unfold and the chairman has made it clear how parasitic capitalism and u.s imperial power is going down in the wake of the this colonial virus that it could not contain and massive resistance um, led by and sparked by the African working class in the face of the brutal police murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis in May. And that was just the last straw and that it cannot contain either of these things. And as we see um, just the desperation of the system and the deepening of the crisis, both economically and politically, which we're gonna be talking about today. So, you know, we just start by saying that the economy is not recovering, even though in the face of all of this data and information that is coming out, um, that it, you know, there's, there's nothing, you know, they keep saying everything's fine, it's good, but in fact, they are in a very, very, very serious place. Congress today um, has Democrats and Republicans, which we know are just, two wings of the same rotten white ruling class bird are fighting over a new stimulus package, um, mainly because um, this, in the face of the fact that the uh, many states are shutting down again as renewed outbreaks of the virus sweep the country again. But as always, African, Mexican, indigenous and oppressed peoples 
colonized inside the borders of the United States are the so-called essential workers, and they are facing dire conditions, while banks and other corporations, including the Catholic Church, are being fed trillions of dollars by the US government, much of it that was supposedly being targeting the um, small businesses. Yep. So the government's moratorium on evictions of renters and mortgage holders in federally subsidized housing expired last Friday. And here where I am in St. Louis, the newspaper, the Post-Dispatch predicted, quote, a tidal wave of evictions to hit this area and the U.S. as a whole. So according to the Washington Post, 12.3 million families will be facing eviction in August and September because they could not pay rent or mortgage due to job loss during the pandemic. 20% of all renters in the United States are expected to face eviction. A Washington Post article from July 6 stated, quote, in response to a survey by the US Census Bureau, about 44% and 41% of adult Latino and black renters respectively said they had no or slight confidence that they could pay their rent next month or were likely to defer payment according to the Urban Institute analysis of the data, which was collected between May 28th and June 9th. This comes as the government funded $600 unemployment insurance is ending also now for 20 to 30 million people inside the US who have depended on that weekly pittance to survive. Last week's unemployment filings were the highest ever outside of this year. So if you took it outside of 2020 and all the layoffs, it is the highest ever in history of unemployment first time filings. 30% of African families with children reported that they do not have enough food since the lockdowns, according to a Brookings Institute report. That's 10 times higher than during the 20, 2008 economic downturn, 10 times higher. And currently, the official unemployment rate is 11.4%. And for African people, it is 15.4%. But according to a recent CNN article, if you, if you count the number of people who were pushed out of the labor market, who stopped looking for jobs, the unemployment rate would be more like 19 or 20% and obviously higher for the African population. Also, millions of people are getting their utilities turned off because they cannot pay. A Washington Post article reports that in North Carolina alone, unpaid electric and water bills are driving families and cities to the financial brink. Many states had utilities cut off moratoriums, which have expired in the hottest time of the year. As many as a million families in North Carolina have fallen behind on their electric water and sewage bills, threatening residents and their cities with severe financial hardship, 
unless federal lawmakers act to approve more emergency aid. And how is that going to help? I mean, they're fighting over pittance. They're giving, you know, they want to give nothing to the African working class, and they haven't. They want to deepen the crisis. The trouble stems from the widespread economic havoc wrought by the coronavirus, which has left millions of workers out of a job and struggling to cover their monthly costs. Together, they've been late or missed a total of $218 million in utility payments between April 1st and the end of June. According to data released recently by North Carolina, nearly double the amount in arrears at this time last year. And some of the, the points of the stimulus package being discussed in Congress today, Democrats want a $3 trillion stimulus. It's an election year. And the GOP wants $1 trillion, and they want to cut the $600 unemployment aid by two-thirds to just $200 a week, down from the $600 a week that people have been receiving since the beginning of the quarantine. The GOP is also, it also includes in its package $1.8 billion to build a new FBI building in Washington, D.C. So under this, some people would receive a $1,200 check which would not really help anyone meaningfully at all who's actually in trouble, as we know the African community is. Meanwhile, huge corporations and banks took huge amounts of the Government Payroll Protection Program, or PPP loans, including banks, and the Catholic Church was the largest recipient of payroll protection program loans. It was given more than $3.5 billion to cover the diocese that had to pay fines for child and adult sexual abuses by priests, yes. by clergy. Case it's unclear. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was supposed to be geared to small business, and the Catholic Church got that, 3.5 billion. Um, and, you know, just to open this up, I mean, this is so profound, Jesse. Uh, you know, that 41 and 44% of the Mexican and African communities are facing eviction can't pay their rent. This is colonialism. This is a deepening of the crisis that, um, that this is why the African People's Socialist Party calls this the colonial virus. Yes, absolutely. I, I really appreciate this whole, this whole uh, discussion and really exposing the reality of what's going on in this country. And I just really want to unite with the, the statement that you mentioned earlier, uh, Chairwoman Penny, that of what Chairman Amalia Shetela has been calling for in so many of his recent public statements that, you know, this is why we have to go beyond protest. And, you know, the chairman, of course, and the Uhura movement as a whole has been responsible for many protests uh, over the years. So the chairman is saying protest is good. And even the protests that are happening right now are good because they destabilize a social system built on the oppression and exploitation of African people. But the chairman, the African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Amalia Shetela is calling for a revolution, something that protest itself does not necessarily result in a revolution. And that's why there has to be the leadership of the party of the African working class. Only the party of the African working class can make that happen. And you know we have a role as white people to play our part in the strategy of the African People's Socialist Party to organize white people under their leadership 
in a strategy to be the voice of black power in the belly of the beast behind enemy lines, as Chairman O'Malley Chatella says. Yes, and I think that the, I think that, you know, it makes it totally clear what the African People's Socialist Party has been saying, that there is colonialism inside the borders of the United States, that yes. there's realities and that the white community is the colonizer. We are all part of the colonizing nation. And that the two realities, African people were the essential workers. They, that's what they call, they've always been that. As the chairman has said, they are the ones who make everything happen. They are the workers and they are the working class of the world. And that they couldn't work from home. They couldn't have a job um, leisurely, you know, sitting around their homes and um, being on Zoom and all this kind of thing. They were out there at, at the grocery stores, at the parking lots, at security guards, all kinds of things that, um, that are forced to as colonized jobs. And so, you know, we come to this reality, we look at what is happening in this country and, and experiencing it in a totally different way than African people. We are gonna see the just, just an explosion of homelessness, of poverty. People can't feed their children. African people can't feed their children. The highest number ever, like 40, 45% cannot feed their children, facing eviction, no money, no resources. This is why the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman O'Malley Chatella is out there every day organizing the African working class for revolution and a strategy. And our part of that strategy is to go inside the white community to, to fight for and unleash the stolen wealth as reparations to African people. I really appreciate this summation, Jesse and Penny. I really appreciate the, the leadership of Chairman Amalia Shtella and the African People's Socialist Party giving us the opportunity to uh, you know, struggle for reparations with our own community, with the white community, and with the white ruling class to have, uh, have that as a toward what end to um, address this whole crisis. Because if, if, if this were a period where I know myself, if I were relying on this system, on this colonial parasitic system to provide everything that the peoples of the world need to provide what, what, what my comrades, friends and family need, I would be in a state of absolute despair. So the, the ability to, to understand that this is a rotten, foul colonial system that requires reparations, requires revolution to overturn it, to return these resources that, that are fueling such a blood sucking system to instead fuel the future, to fuel that engine of history that you're talking about, Penny, the, the African working class. That's a future that I can believe in. That's a, that's a future that I can see, and that's a strategy that I can unite with, even you know, as, as a white person in, in my otherwise middle-class kind of alienated life that it could become. And that's why I, I really appreciate things like the uh, Make Wall Street Pay Reparations campaign that the Uhura Solidarity Movement is leading under, under the leadership of Chairman Amalia Chatella and the African People's Socialist Party. And this whole conversation makes me think of a line uh, you know, from the, the press statement around that question of uh, make Wall Street pay reparations, and in particular, make Bank of America pay reparations. 
um, that, that said that this, this question of reparations is a way that we as white people can express genuine class struggle, that we can make a, a legitimate criticism of our own white ruling class while at the same time uniting with the African community. For me, for me that sums up the long and short of what is so brilliant about the strategy of the solidarity movement and, and reparations to the African community that we can uh, truly embrace as, as white people in, in this movement, on this show, and uh, something that we, that we can honestly point to as a way forward. That's, that's what I appreciate about this movement in, in these dire, dire times of such profound crisis for imperialism, colonialism, parasitic capitalism. Yeah, I mean, you know, the African People's Socialist Party has called on the solidarity movement to target the banks, the ruling class, Wall Street, which can, the 1% that controls more resources than um, I think 80% of the entire population of the planet. And that even as the system is going down and as the banks are in trouble and the corporations are in trouble, believe me, all of these um, rulers have their little stash, not little, but billions of dollars mm -hmm. that they're trying mm -hmm dash away for their future and their children's future, but there's no way it's going to happen. The um, Make Wall Street Pay Reparations, Make Bank of America Pay Reparations campaign are forcing, forcing Bank of America and other entities of Wall Street, of the 1%, born off the broken bodies and enslaved African human beings it's, um, they're going to pay. They're going to pay reparations. They're going to have to do that. It's more and more and more in the news every single day, in the Wall Street Journal, in everything, this question of reparations. And I just want to say also something that Jesse was raising, and then, yeah, I'll give it back to you, Jesse, but the thing of the whole question that white people have to be under the leadership of the African Revolution. This is not something yeah. we're going to do. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next segment. But we're, we can only come to opportunism because we're the colonizer. We're not going to have a revolution that, um, you know, because we always make peace and make a deal with our ruling class and unite with it at the expense of the African population colonized inside the United States and that this land is indigenous land. And so, therefore as they are the uh, humanity forced into this pedestal that upholds this parasitic system, they are the leadership. They are the leadership. And the African People's Socialist Party represents the African working class fighting for the freedom and liberation of Africa and African people everywhere and for the liberation of oppressed and colonized peoples everywhere. But saying that white people can stand in solidarity and have a particular role to play. Jesse, I was thinking yeah. you might say more about this whole campaign yes. to make pay reparations. Yes, and, and just in terms of that last point that you were making, um, I think you know the Make Wall Street Pay Reparations campaign is distinguished from any other movement that has ever arisen that has involved white people uh, in response to Wall Street, because it is a campaign of the African People's Socialist Party. It is a campaign that unites with the demands of the African People's Socialist Party for reparations from the white ruling class, from the parasitic capitalist banks and corporations, and that calls on white people to 
not only struggle with our own ruling class, which we have to do. And like Jamie said, to, to be involved in real class struggle is to be in solidarity with the anti-colonial struggle of African people. And in so doing that, it also calls on us to take responsibility for our role in all of this as white people. You are not going to hear the Make Wall Street Pay Reparations campaign chanting, we are the 99%. Because as uh, Chairwoman Penny has pointed out, and we actually recently made a little video uh, you know, illustrating this point that, um, you know, there's the 1%, but then there's another, you know, I think it might be like 16 or 17% of the world's population that controls and consumes the vast majority of the world's resources. And then the rest of the peoples on the planet earth are living in, in abject colonial genocidal poverty. And of course that second tier is the general white population. You have the 1% and then you have white people who in a place like Boston have the average white family has 31,000 times the wealth of the average African family whose median uh, assets are $8, you know, whose, you know, level of assets for African families are at $8 and probably less now. So, um, so this is, you know, this is not a white led thing. This is not a struggle that we're making with our ruling class to make parasitic capitalism more amenable to us and to gain a greater access to the spoils of colonial plunder and slavery. This is real class struggle, which it means this is, this is taking on the whole thing. And that's what the reparations demand makes possible. With, with reparations front and center, uh, this gives us the way to truly take on our own ruling class in a principled way, in unity and in solidarity with the real workers of the world, which are the colonized African working class and other oppressed and exploited peoples uh, throughout the world. So it's very powerful. And I, I just, it's a great thing to be a part of. And any white people who are listening to this, who want to get involved, who want to unite with the African community that's fighting for reparations, um, you should go to uh, wallstreetreparations.org. You can join this campaign. We have weekly actions targeting Bank of America, which is the second largest bank in the United States, uh, run by a, C a CEO named Brian Moynihan. These are the banks that, that are benefiting from these so-called uh, CARES Act stimulus packages that are nothing but a total scam, another you know, means of theft of resources from oppressed people into the pockets of the filthy white ruling class. It's people like Brian Moynihan that are benefiting and all of the other bankers and all of the other big companies like Amazon and, uh, and so many others that, that are profiting right now. So now more than ever, we have to make them pay. We have to make them feel the heat of this campaign. And uh, this show is actually going to be a really important way that we do that on a weekly basis, you know, exposing these banks, exposing these corporations and building the, the case for rep, uh, reparations as a revolutionary demand. So I definitely encourage people to join and get involved and build towards a major uh, mobilization in New York on Wall Street on September 18th uh, to target Bank of America and to shut down Wall Street with the demand for reparations to African people. That is gonna be very exciting. You know, what's been out there in the past was this Occupy Wall Street Yep. This campaign of white people for the interests of white people talking about student loans and and really not having clear demands, as we can see, as we're going to talk about in the next segment, you know, this kind of opportunism that takes hold that, that just tends to be 
um, white, I don't know, you know, temper tantrum against the ruling class just to a show of force that is um, just total opportunist white nationalism. And that the demand of the African working class gets lost in this and it is consciously covered over. So, you know, this is gonna be really, really exciting to be out there in New York on September 18th. Yes. Uh, to be shutting down Wall Street. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how that action unfolds and how this whole campaign unfolds uh, during this critical period in history. You know, when uh, that, everything that, that you laid out, uh, Penny, uh, about this economic crisis, the um, numbers of people applying for unemployment being the most we've ever seen in history, whole cities unable to pay their utility view, uh, bills. This is serious crisis that people can no longer delude themselves about and, unless they have those bunkers and those huge stashes of supplies to uh, keep them separated from this reality that is bearing down on us. And this is our opportunity, right? This is our opportunity to stand, stand up and be counted on the side of the African working class, on the side of humanity, rather than this foul dying system that is openly dying before us and taking so many more African and indigenous people as, as the first victims of its death throes. While we're, we're seeing that, that carnage of the, the usual targets, colonized people, the African working class, I think what we also have to remember is how vulnerable this white ruling class, this colonial vampire is. How we can do just uh, like Chairman Amalia Shatella has said, like you, Penny, has have said to go for the jugular. What a time to go for the jugular. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just really happy to be part of this movement. And I, I really unite with everything that's been said. If you're not already part of this process, what a time to become part of it. Yes, it is. Because people are being forced to the brink of revolution. Yeah. And yeah, the ruling class is vulnerable. They know that they owe. They know they have the stolen wealth of African people that they have destroyed generations and centuries of the lives of African people in order to steal everything that they have, that that day is over. And we have seen this incredible movement to tear down and strike away the all vestiges of colonial monuments, not only inside the US and around the world, but obviously it can't stop there. Then colonialism has to go. And that's what the African People's Socialist Party is about. And I think that if we, as white people, look at this period with fear or internalizing the crisis of imperialism onto ourselves, then, you know, that's, uh, that's the wrong way to go. Because what we are seeing is this incredible explosion of African genius, of African organized leadership that shows us the way to solve every problem that imperialism and parasitic capitalism has left the people on the planet with. Serious problems, existential problems, or even this, will this, this planet survive? And when I see the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Omalia Shatella, the African working class, I know, yes, we are under good leadership. No 
no white person is going to solve this problem. No white scientist, quote unquote, anything is going to solve a problem facing, um, you know, facing that now. So the leadership of the African revolution is a future that is exciting, is liberating for all of us if we stand on the right side of history and the leadership of the African working class. For real, I, I just want to unite with what Chairman Penny said. And I also, before we go to our, our break here, I just wanted to shout out people who are tuning in, uh, who are joining us on Facebook, including people uh, joining us from St. Petersburg, Florida, Washington, DC, St. Louis, uh, Missouri, Northern California, and Louisville, Kentucky. So thank you to all of our listeners. And of course, to everybody right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. back to reparations in action here on Black Power 96.3 LP in St. Petersburg. Now let's turn to the ongoing crisis of imperialism taking place inside the United States, where the African community's resistance to colonial police terror is continuing to deepen. In the weeks since the murder of George Floyd, Demonstrations have swept through nearly every city of the United States with millions of people mobilized into the streets. So what has taken place in the past week is that US President Donald Trump deployed federal troops to respond to the ongoing demonstrations which are happening in Portland, Oregon. At this point, uh, many of these demonstrations are comprised of mostly white protesters and the media attention of this has shifted the focus of these demonstrations onto this escalating situation in Portland where white people are being photographed on the front lines. Multiple images and videos of white protesters have gone viral, including one of a nude white woman photographed sitting on the street, spreading her legs in front of a line of riot gear wearing troops. She became known as Naked Athena. And while celebrated by many in the white left, has been criticized by others, including by many African people, um, and even by some liberal commentators in the New York Times, uh, where an editorial was published criticizing uh, that particular person for trivializing a historic moment of African resistance and bringing attention onto white people. Just another detail, she was uh, doing yoga, actually, uh, was what she said later. And similar criticisms were raised of the so-called wall of moms, a group of white mothers who stood between the protesters and the police. 
African protesters started holding up signs saying things like, black mothers have always fought back and other similar sentiments uh, to redirect the focus back onto what it's really about, which is the struggle of African people for freedom and justice and power. So we wanted to take a look at this op-ed. We thought this was kind of interesting. This was also published, um, actually this was published in the Washington Post and it was written by um, E.D. Mondain, who is the president of the Portland, Oregon branch of the NAACP. So we're gonna read a few excerpts from, the, from this and we wanted to discuss this. Um, you know, as reparations in action and as members of you know, an organization of white people formed by, under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party uh, to build principled white solidarity with black power. So this op-ed is called Portland's protests were supposed to be about black lives. Now they're white spectacle. And it begins early in his activism, Malcolm X was asked by a young white woman what she could do to help the cause of civil rights. He famously replied, nothing. Years later, he regretted dis dismissing her so abruptly because he came to believe there was much she could do to advance the cause of justice for black people in the United States. But I am quite certain that striking yoga poses nude on the streets of Portland, Oregon was not on his list of actionable items. Uh, images of naked Athena as the protester has been labeled have gone viral. Her unclothed confrontation with police earning her accolades as a brave ally of the cause. But I see something else, uh, writes the, uh, the author of this op-ed published in the Washington Post, a beneficiary of white privilege dancing vainly on a stage that was originally created to raise up the voices of my oppressed brothers and sisters. In this, she is not alone. The protests have gone on for weeks in Portland and around the country have had a very, or had a very specific origin. The killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis prompted a nationwide reckoning with the original and savage crime of slavery our country committed against Africans. It says in here, African-Americans. This crime has been reverberating through every generation in this country, black and white, for 401 years. That monstrous crime has finally caught up with us as a nation. I do not believe it is a time for spectacle. And then this is, um, and also this is a continuation from this article in the Washington Post, this editorial. It says, unfortunately, spectacle is now the best way to describe Portland's protests, uh, vandalizing government buildings and hurling projectiles that law enforcement draw attention. But how do these actions stop police from killing black people? What are Antifa and other leftist agitators achieving for the cause of black equality? The wall of moms, while perhaps well-intentioned, ended up redirecting attention away from the urgent issue of mur murdered black bodies. This might ease the consciences of white affluent women who have previously been silent in the face of black oppression. But it's fair to ask, are they really furthering the cause of justice or is this another example of white co-optation? Chairwoman Penny, yeah. how would you answer that? Well, I think that I think that's a pretty good summation and that, you know, again, white people putting ourselves in the center on the pedestal at the expense of African people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Chairman O'Malley Shatella has been talking a lot about this and he commented during his political education hashtag O'Malley taught me that 
comes on every Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern from Chairman O'Malley Chantel's Facebook page. Um, he, this week, as always, he was, he was incredible. He was, he was right on target. But he said, we appreciate the protests because they destabilize the system that oppresses us, but we have to go beyond protests because we have to make revolution, he is saying. We must answer the question to what end. If white people want fundamental change, they have to unite under the leadership of the essential workers, the African working class and its advanced detachment, the African People's Socialist Party. So, you know, anything else is, you know, here are these white people, these young white people who have probably most of them from very um, high income zip codes of Portland, Oregon, which probably the majority of white people there are, with their moms, with their mothers out there, their white mothers out there um, in this, what has become a spectacle of other things that have happened by Antifa and other kinds of, of anarchist white organizations that are out there too, that, have, that we've seen in Seattle in past years and now and, and other places you know, where white people have no, there's no reason to be there, there's no demands and, and anything that they might be calling for has nothing to do with the ultimate question that as was raised in the article that this country is built on the enslavement of African people. The wealth that these white people have is comes at the expense of hundreds of years of the forced labor of African people, the theft of their genius, their labor, turning African people into commodities with genocide being carried out against the indigenous people on whose land we stand right now. So it is the ultimate in opportunism and that white people have to go beyond protests, yeah. just as Chairman O'Malley Chatel is making that call to the African working class and calling to white people that we have to go beyond protests. We have to go beyond our little temper tantrum or fun outing or whatever else we think that we're doing going up against these big bad military forces yeah. that exist to to completely murder and oppress African people and colonize people here and around the world. That this is this little fun moment to do this. Right. We are out there in this white town located smack dab on indigenous land at their expense. The only way that we can truly be part of revolution is to be under the leadership of the African revolution, which is demanding that U.S. colonialism and imperialism be destroyed through the strategy to win the liberation of Africa and African people worldwide under the leadership of the African working class. Really unite with that, Penny Hess. And, yep. you know, it's, it's so important that we understand that uh, at this juncture in history as white people who yeah. sit on the pedestal of slavery, genocide, ongoing colonialism. This, this isn't just a question of the past. This is the present. As Chairman Amalia Shatella has said, uh, reparations are owed for what happened five minutes ago, right? And Africans, uh, th that we understand that African people are in a struggle 
not against racism, not a struggle against our uh, idea of privilege. They're struggling against a very material system called colonialism, that this is not a struggle against racism. That understanding is something I know I would only have been able to get from a uh, revolutionary organization led by the African working class. There's no other force in history that I have encountered that, that has made uh, that question so clear. White people should act, yes, as a, as a buffer, I think, between Africa. That just seems to make sense, that, that uh, white people would, would throw their bodies on, on the line, uh, seeing that kind of colonial violence come down against African people from the colonial state, but not just as some kind of uh, demonstration. That's, it, it, it becomes so much about the individual. It becomes so much about this inflated sense of self that we develop under colonialism, that we, we develop this idea that it's just natural, that everything should revolve around us. But this is uh, about a way of life organized, like uh, you, were, you were saying, Penny Hess, under the strategy of African revolution. This is not just about our emotions or what we feel about the colonial state. And that, that's, that is what the African People's Solidarity Committee and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement is, is and is required to be every single day. And uh, the, the party is struggling for revolution. That's, that's something also I think that as white people, we have a, a really confused idea of what revolution even is. Revolution is not a spectacle. As, as you have said many times, Penny has, revolution isn't about even you know, uh, shooting at government buildings. Although that, that, that may become a factor at some point, it is, if I'm not mistaken, primarily a question of the masses of people coming into political life and of the oppressed seizing the means of production, seizing political power. And when, when we see an, an oppressed uh, group, the African working class calling on that, it's, it's time for us to, to bring all of our uh, devotion, all of our focus, all of the creativity and energy that, that this system has provided us at the expense of African people, at the expense of indigenous people. This is where we get the skills. This is where we get any knowledge that we have has come through this foul system. So it's only right that we turn it over for reparations, which is the only truly revolutionary stand that we can take as white people. I, I really appreciate this discussion and um, just the clarity of the fact that, you know, there is a principled stand that white people can take that white people did not define what that stance looks like. And that's the thing I appreciate so much about the African People's Solidarity Committee is that the African People's Solidarity Committee did not form itself to pursue some kind of solidarity with African people set on terms set by white people. The African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Omalia Shatella, the vanguard party of the African revolution created the African People's Solidarity Committee and therefore created the basis for a genuine and principled stance of white solidarity with black power and the African liberation struggle. And, uh, and that, that just, you know, that shows that is the principled stance. So it's not even like we're saying white people don't have a place in this or should just go home and stay in your lane or whatever and be quiet. Actually, no, we have to be out. We have to take a stand. We have to take a public visible stand in solidarity with African people. We have to do it as part of organization under the leadership of the African working class. Otherwise, no matter how well-intentioned, which, you know, intention is impossible to gauge, but 
no matter how po possibly well-intentioned, it will always end up being some kind of self-centered white opportunist thing. And I just wanted to appreciate, again, everybody who's tuning in, including all of the cities I mentioned earlier, as well as Trinidad. We have a uh, comrade Raymond Moses tuning in from Trinidad, so we appreciate that. And I, I wanted to read this comment from Virginia Wilson, who's one of our uh, loyal listeners uh, there in Louisville, Kentucky. Virginia was responding to Chairwoman Penny's statement, and she says, it is critical to prioritize the anti-colonial struggle. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays, who have been tweeting in support of Black Lives Matter and justice for Breonna Taylor, when their play space, Tropicana Field, is on the ground of a destroyed African community, and white people are like, oh, wow, I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan, fan now, reparations now. So yeah, I mean, talk about performative. The Tampa Bay Rays literally play mediocre baseball games in a stadium built on the destruction of the, one of the oldest African neighborhoods in this city. And not, not only that, but the Tampa Bay Rays actually have representatives who sit on the Tampa Bay Chief of Police, uh, Bay Area Chiefs of Police Association. So they are, not only is their history linked to the colonial oppression of African people, but they are currently very much in support of police violence and gentrification, and they owe reparations to African people. So I was wondering if we could talk about that for a second, the question of reparations and how reparations, you know, how that figures into all of this and how that is the key stand that white people must take in this moment and in order to go forward in, in a genuine uh, stance of solidarity with African people. Yeah, I think that's a really important question. And, you know, I was listening to, I think it was NPR radio the other day, and I heard an interview with the moms from mm -hmm. the Wall of Moms there in Portland. And they were saying things like, well, we've just spent our lives being so involved in serving our families, mm. and taking our children around to their school and their soccer games, that we've just been focused on ourselves and we really haven't given thought to what's going on around us. Mm. Now this is forcing us to do that, you know, and, and of course it was pretty sickening, but, but the fact is if they are serious about seeing what's going on around them and taking responsibility for that, then pay reparations, right. pay reparations to African people because just the ability for us to have the opportunity to live a life that we don't have to look at anything else. We can mm -hmm. just look at our little microcosm of the world and keep it that way. And that we don't have to, um, we don't, you know, we don't take seriously what others are saying or even imagine that other people would experience, be experiencing something else. And that in fact, our lifestyle requires mm -hmm. the conditions that African people experience because that's what colonialism is. It is parasite. It, it requires the exploitation, the sucking the blood of the oppressed for the colonizer nation and ruling class. And it, it benefits all of the white population. So it's not this kind of metaphysical mm -hmm. uh, thing that somehow 
you know, we have white privilege, but what does that mean? You know, we are the colonizers, so we have the material and even um, political, um, you know, results of colonialism that we have the resources that are being stolen from the colonized and everything in our life is to perpetuate that system. And this is what I think a lot of white people are forced to see now. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are forced to see that. And I think that because of this incredible resistance of the African working class, and this is how this started. Yeah. And you know, in, in a way it's just a continuation of the um, six years ago, mm -hmm. this resistance of African workers in the face of the brutal police murder of Mike Brown in the St. Louis and Ferguson, which is a, a just a suburb right north of St. Louis where many African people live. And, you know, that was an incredible period that, you know, there was Freddie Gray and Sandra Bland and so many, many police murders that we've seen and now we've seen it we can't unsee it we can't unsee it it is everywhere mm -hmm. and i think that there is an honest questioning that a lot of white people are going through the the desire to to um to take the right stand the question what should i do how do i rectify this some way people are depressed and killing themselves with drugs or alcohol or other kinds of things yep. But you don't have to do that because the answer is to join under the leadership of the African working class revolutionary organization, the African People's Socialist Party. That is not, that doesn't mean that we take classes to unlearn our racism, but it means that we get active. We talk to other white people. We raise reparations. We say, well, yeah, what I have is stolen from African people, it must be returned. And I want to do that. And, and literally thousands and ultimately millions of white people want to do that and can do that. But they have to find the way that is the principled and correct way. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's something that we set the terms for that we, well, we'll do this a while. And then when it all comes down, we go back to our little scene, you know? Yeah on the pedestal. So I think that the question is, join the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, because that is the organization that was formed by the African people's social specifically for white people to organize reparations to African people and to the African revolution, not to an individual, not buying them a drink or some silly things that we hear, but turning back over resources that fund the whole struggle for African people to have political and economic power in the hands of the African working class, like the Black Power Blueprint up here on the north side of St. Louis. I really unite with that statement, Penny Hess. I really appreciate your, your leadership over the years. I appreciate Chairman Amalia Chatella's leadership. And you know, as, as you're talking about this question of opportunism on the part of, of white people, I'm, I'm reminded of, and, and study too, the, the, the whole idea of un, we don't unlearn our racism under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, but we do have the responsibility to educate ourselves about what we have done as white people to this world, you know, what, what, the, uh, what the butcher's bill is 
that, that we're responsible for. And you can see that in books like A Hundred Years of Lynching. You can see that in books like uh, Penny Hess's Overturning the Culture of Violence. And you can hear that in, in, in the analysis of Chairman Amalia Chatella. In, in, and when I, I remember hearing uh, Chairman Amalia Chatella sum up the question of this, this whole, you know, the, the, there are white workers, but there is no real white working class in, ter in terms of a cohesive social force. And, and what he said to back that up was the fact that it didn't take police to steal this land from the indigenous people. It didn't take an official armed force or an official you know, memo saying, go out and kill indigenous people, kill the African people, enslave them, keep them enslaved, keep them subjugated. That was something that white people did enthusiastically. And it was, it was regular white people who have enforced the colonial conditions that African people have to endure. It was you know, the, the, the white shop owner, the, the white mayor, it, the, the little white girls on, on their parents' shoulders watching as, as African people were, were horrifically murdered in lynchings that, that were about colonial control. That is the state as well. That, that's been my understanding through the uh, education I've gotten in, in this movement is that it, it hasn't just been a question of the official colonial institutions, that this, this goes deeper than that. It's, it's who we are that we are the colonizer. And if we, if we want to overturn that, if we want to not be that, it, it has to be about more than just what we say, than just it, it expressing our opinions. We've got to put our, our bodies and our money where our mouth is. And that's one, one of the major reasons why we owe reparations and, and why this kind of reparations is a much more comprehensive question tied to the inevitable revolution of, of African people. So, I want to I want to thank you, Jesse Neville, for your extraordinary work producing this show. I want to thank you as a co-host. I want to thank Penny Hess, chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, author of Overturning the Culture of Violence, and um, ask if you have any wrap-up questions. We got about five minutes left in today's episode. Well, I just really appreciate the show today, and I. I think that, you know, it's very powerful to be able to have a chance here on Black Power 96 FM um, to, to be able to address white people and to go deeper into the questions that, that we face as white people. How, how do we get rid of opportunities? How do we stop um, putting ourselves in the center of the being a quote, as the German says, the subject of history? How do we learn? To, um, to be under the leadership and then be part of an incredible period of history that we are facing right now. A future that has never been experienced before on this planet looms before us. And it's very exciting. So how can we be part of that? These are the questions that we want to talk about and we have the opportunity to do that. And we know that the answer is simple. It's under the leadership of the African revolution, going back into the white community, doing what we are assigned to do, win other white people, to turn loose our whiteness and our relationship with US imperialism and join solidarity with African people and people on planet Earth and pay reparations, turn that stolen wealth 
back over to those to whom it belongs. Uhuru. Uhuru. I, I just want to unite and um, I want to appreciate this whole show and also uh, everyone who tuned in and all the great discussion on Facebook, um, including from Virginia. And also I want to shout out Janice Kant, who said, uh, today's actions remind me of the white protesters at the 1968 Democratic Convention. And Janice was asking, how have white people been opportunistic and what can we do differently now? And we are coming to the end of the show, so we don't have time to spend too much on that question. But uh, I was thinking about that as well. Uh, I think that was the, the so-called days of rage in Chicago, where like a few hundred white people got together to smash windows and everything. And the uh, Black Panther Party and Fred Hampton famously denounced it and said that it was child's play. It was folly. It was custeristic, he said, and leading the people into a massacre. And that it had nothing to do with the Black Power Movement and was not accountable to any leadership of the Black Power Movement. And uh, of course, um, it was, I guess, four years after that, that Chair Chairman Amali Shetala formed the African People's Socialist Party, and four years after that, that he formed the African People's Solidarity Committee, which is what white people can do differently. Join the African People's Solidarity Committee, join the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. Fantastic. I, I really want to salute you both. I want to salute Virginia Wilson, Janice Kant, everybody who tuned in this week and everybody who contributed uh, to the, the membership drive while that was going on. It was fantastic. And speaking of the leadership of the Black Power Movement, Sunday studies, hashtag, hashtag Omali taught me with Chairman Omalia Shetela on the Burning Spear YouTube channel and Chairman Omalia Shetela's Facebook page. That's every Sunday, including this Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also want to let people know that Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, a study on colonialism must go. White solidarity with black power is going to be led by the African People's Solidarity Committee's chairwoman, Penny Hess. You can register by going to tinyurl.com slash colonialism must go. That's tinyurl.com slash colonialism must go. Or you can watch on Uhuru Solidarity's Facebook and YouTube pages. And Friday night, July 31st, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement Southern Region is hosting How Wall Street Funds Police Murder of African People, a special webinar featuring uh, Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee, along with keynote speaker Akile Anayi, director of Agitprop for the African People's Socialist Party, and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement chair and our uh, co-host Jesse Neville. So you can register again by going to tinyurl.com slash Wall Street and Police, or you can watch on Uhuru Solidarity's Facebook and YouTube pages. This has been Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3 WBPULP in St. Petersburg. My name is Jamie Simpson. I want to thank Penny Hess and Jesse Neville. We will talk to you next week.